That's I'm ready. All right, welcome to the Doubles Cup Podcast, oh, season three, episode four. That's, a good, that's gonna be some good uh, like mm. B-roll stuff to. That's uh, A-roll. A-roll. That's, that's not B-roll. Murray, Murray massaging himself. That's <laughs> not what you think, guys. It's, yeah. it's an Get your actual, heads out of the gutter. It's an apparatus to massage knots in your in your back and shoulders. So that's right. Okay, so uh, episode four. Uh, well, obviously a different topic than last episode. We talked about wedding songs, so. So a little bit more focused. Um, we have two, not one, two special guest hosts today. Um, uh, Leah. Hello. That's her. And Jeff. Yo. And uh, we'll get we'll get into more about uh, who they are in a minute. Um, before we get into that, as always, uh, at Devil's Cup Pod, we're steady steady on at like seventy eight. Yeah, we're close to eighty. So get us to eighty, guys. I know a lot of people celebrate hundred. Actually, most people celebrate a thousand. <laughs> we have very modest, very low. <laughs> no, eighty low, would be great. Eighty would be great. I mean, hundred, we're hundred, we're gonna have a party. Hundred, yes, hundred. So, but some, eighty yeah. is gonna be awesome. We're looking forward to eighty. So follow us on Twitter uh, or email us. No one ever does. Devilscuppodcast at gmail.com. So still waiting for our first email this season. So yeah, it's cool. We had we had a backlog from previous. That's true. Season. Yeah. So yeah, adds up. Okay. Um, should be told, uh, I've Jeff. We've met a couple times, correct? I yeah. think so. Yeah. Um, I know that. Uh, well, we're all in education, but I know that you, uh, Mike, and myself all share the same profession. So we're both, all three of us educators. But maybe want to tell a little bit about yourself. Something that you're willing to share. I don't know, like that worst question that all teachers oh, ask in class. Uh, Say something interesting about yourself. You know, maybe or what's <laughs> your connect? This is a, a podcast about about music. What's your what are your connections to music, or how how do you think you connect to music? Oh, that's a good question. It's a go. good question. Thank I, you. I don't know where to start with it. Um, so I'm currently a music teacher at Glenview Park Secondary School in Cambridge. Nice. Uh, after go. spending seven years teaching in Toronto, uh, I went into music teaching as a. <laughs> Failed musician, essentially. Oh. Um, after a performance injury, just decided uh, I'm now 30. I'm not making any money. All my friends are. So decided, well, I was enjoying the teaching aspect of all the stuff that I was doing. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, perhaps I should have started uh, the show by saying that our episode for today is is answering the question, what makes a musician? So I feel like, Jeff, you'll have uh, some insight some into that. Great insights. Um, and so I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Uh, cool. Thanks for that. Yep. Uh, Leah, I know a lot about you. <laughs> Too much. No, okay. Well, I, don't, I mean, I know some stuff about you. I don't know. Uh, what, do you, what do you do? What, what, are, your, and what are your interests? And in, in maybe like, how do you connect to music or what are your connections to music? So I work at the University of Waterloo as a professor, not of music. Yeah. Um, I do health and healthy cities research. And... What are my connections to music? I grew up in a very religious family, and there was music was a big part of our lives because I have three sisters, and we all sang together all the time. My dad was very musical. Um, what did he play? Any instruments? Or? Yeah, guitar, piano. Hmm. I think he was mainly self-taught. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, would tour around, actually, and sing at schools and churches in the area. And so I grew up and I went to, I did choir with my sisters and practice, like had piano lessons and that right. kind of thing. And I just, I like music a lot and I like singing a lot. Right. Cool. Cool. Uh-huh. All right. So those were, that was the easy question actually, guys. Yeah. So yeah. I mean. They get so harder. Your, your seats. hard. Hopefully, hard. I don't yeah. know if you feel it that now, was, but uh, your seats are probably steadily getting warmer. 
I think you can probably feel the heat a little bit. Our seats are very cold. Ice cold. Ice, Ice cold. cold. Ice cold. Uh, but as we do with every guest, uh, um, we we are gonna put you guys in the hot seat, asking five questions. Um, they're they're the same five questions, more or less. But they alter a little. They bit. alter. They alter. They're a little, a little bit, bit different. Of... They're a little bit different. But um, we're gonna start. The first two are almost always the same. Yes. Yeah. So we'll start with Leia. Um, Leia, do you have a favorite artist or band or musician that you? And Jeff's like, oh shit. <laughs> I, I know. I, 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 have have some, yeah. I have some guesses of what, yeah. what Jeff's uh, answers um, might be. But. but Leia, yeah, I'm curious. Because I don't think I've ever asked you this question. No. We've known each other for about six years, seven years. So. Oh, wow. Too long. Um, Too long. So I don't think I have a favorite artist. I've okay. had different favorite artists at different points in my life. And I find that I get like a little bit obsessed with one artist at a time. Okay. And I'll just like totally binge listen. Mm-hmm to an artist at a time and then kind of like find other people that then come into my life and sing to me all the time okay um right now i've been binge listening to great caesar great caesar oh i don't know i've never heard of that there's like it's just it's beautiful and i don't know some of the music just like resonates Mm. with me at this point in my life but also yeah, so there's like Ruth B was one of my people who I listened to all the okay. time for like a period of time in my life, and then I looked back and went, oh, that was what was going on then, and this is why Ooh. these lyrics really resonated with me. Um, I really like music that I can sing along to, also. Yes, and for those of you who don't know Leia, and we're gonna talk about this, Leia is a fantastic singer. I hear her singing most of the time, uh, as our houses are right beside each other. So <laughs> you can hear me. Of course I can. And your lovely daughters when they sing. Aww, yeah. they have so, lovely voices. Um, and, and I'm not surprised at all that, 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 you know, that's part of, you know, when you try to find artists and musicians that you want to listen to that mm-hmm. you want to be able to sing along. Cool. Fair enough. Jeff, same question? Same question. Yeah. You've had um, ample time to think about it, so... I have. Um, I like a lot what Leah said in terms of that certain time frames, mm-hmm. you seem to gravitate towards certain artists, and I kind of have to agree, and I'll... I'll dig back and I can go through them because I can figure out based on you got a timeline time developed. Um, yes. Growing up in small town Ontario in the 90s, there wasn't a lot of music at all to listen to and had hmm. no cable. So the artist I, I was listening to a lot was Phil Collins. <laughs> I can't listen to it anymore. I can go back to like early Genesis stuff, face value, and then the rest. I can't do it. But at the time, there was just something, I don't know, that resonated with me. He was kind of an everyman in the sense that yeah. he was he was, he was was a singer. He was out there. He, was, he would do the keyboards. He'd do all the brass arrangements. Drumming was what he was really into, which, and I think that's sort of why I became a percussionist, which is my main instrument was through that. But I like that he was versatile in doing all of that sort of stuff. But as I got older, um, my musical taste obviously changed as I had the chance to experience a lot more music. So once high school hit and finally discovered FM 96 down in London. I said pardon. I mean, finally getting, getting to hear Pearl Jam, Nirvana, like those, those grunge bands in the 90s, way more collective soul than I would like to agree to. <laughs> Probably then I would say as I went into university studying music, because it you know, it seemed like if you wanted to be a serious musician, you had to get a music degree, not become a rock star. That seemed like... Oh, man, we're going to talk about that There's shit definitely too, this divide. Um, the band I probably resonated with next was Radiohead. 
because Radiohead was not only kind of had those rock roots, but then were also pushing kind of that envelope and kind of that classical jazz theme. theme. Mm -hmm. Johnny Greenwood taking all the stuff that he was learning. Finally got to see them live a few weeks ago. That's Lucky a whole duck. other wow. story. Um, and then, where am I right now? Just finished reading, um, there was a book that came out about, about in April on the tragedy of the hip. Oh, cool. I don't know if you had a chance to read it, and I started getting—I started getting really into the hip 20 years ago when Phantom Power came out, mm. and but uh, like, like a lot of people, once sort of the cancer story hit, really got kind of immersed and started listening to a lot of their back catalog and went, "Man, these were this is a good band." I heard these guys yes. all through yeah, high nice. school and everything, but now kind of with a more of an appreciation. So now I'm like, oh, yeah, I am back listening to kind of a bit of that that kind of like cool. the tragically hip. The band I most recently was into is Slater Kenny. Oh, Slater Kenny, yeah. I had yeah, yeah. had the new album, which is now three years old on iTunes. Didn't listen to it until about two weeks ago, and I'm like, why have I not listened to They're this? Good. Yeah. I was absolutely floored about how good they were. I think probably because I was sort of like Carrie Brownstein. You think of her from Portlandia, yeah. <laughs> I, which I'm now like, shoot, I wish I'd heard of this band sooner because now you get that kind of image. But I'm not, I think now that I've stopped watching the show a little bit and could listen to it again, it's like, this is really good. So I've kind of been going more listening to that stuff. But it's it's getting harder as we get older. We we had this conversation a few weeks ago. We were at a party and we are like, man, nothing's gravitating. It's getting harder because there's so much stuff out there. So it's so I'm kind yeah. of dabbling into a whole bunch of things, but waiting for that something new to knock. Like, yeah, to, it's getting yeah. harder. Yeah. I would agree with that, actually, very much so. Huh. Um, we'll double back on, on Jeff. Jeff, do you have a, can you pick a favorite album? Is there, when I say favorite album, is there one right away that like, you know, you can play front to back? I can play U2's Act on Baby any mm. day. Any, any day. Any day. Any day. There's, I don't, I just got it on vinyl. It's the only oh, album nice. I've ever, I've ever had on digital CD cassette tape and Jesus. on vinyl. Wow. I've, I've and got, I've got one. You've got one of those? I do. There's Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that's the one I've got. Similar artist, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But that's the one I've got on all those mediums. <laughs> all right. Le uh, Leia, do you have a do you have a current favorite album or is there an album that again like that you can kind of pop in in the car or just when you're listening at home or I would say no and no. Oh, okay. And the reason for that I think so when I was a kid when you had to buy things on CDs, then then I would I was you know very religious back then too so then I I got like Christian music which is not what I listen to now mm -hmm. um so that's different and now I feel like I listen to Spotify all the time yeah and so I get like different music and yeah. I do the discover weekly thing and so I, that's how I find people but I don't necessarily listen to albums front to back anymore because you don't have to anymore and I also think like when I was a kid kid like a, a baby kid and we had cassette tapes. Yeah. You couldn't just like skip the end of everything, right? And I remember, so my sister-in-law, who's like 11 years younger than me, I remember first, when I first observed that, you know, kids today, um, <laughs> like they just like get to the end of the song and the song is still going, but they're like, but it's done now. I yeah. don't want to listen anymore. So they skip it. Yeah. And so I feel like there's not necessarily that same appreciation for like the front to back, the mm. whole thing, listening you know, because you have so much choice now. So I wouldn't, some of the, the albums that I have bought in the past and I've listened to to death um, haven't been, like, aren't my favorites anymore. Um, hmm. And I think that maybe there's, 
Maybe you're gonna have to update your question in 2019 because maybe like people are gonna be like, oh. True. I think I, yeah. If yeah. you get younger, younger guest stars on if your. If you get to <laughs> guest podcast. stars, if you get to oh. sorry what guest, guest stars. Oh, guest host stars. Guest host. Guest stars. Yeah. True. But I thought you said I was gonna be a star. So only two stars here. Two okay. stars. Uh, two stars. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. at best. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Did you start but this you know what? <laughs> I did. <laughs> No, I didn't. I'm here because I'm the neighbor. I see what you mean, though. You're dragging the bottom of the barrel. I see what I know. you mean, Leia. I see what you mean. Okay, cool. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right, so, uh, Jeff, you mentioned that you're a percussionist, and I was actually going to ask you that before I asked you this question. Um, three and four are kind of the same question, different sides of the coin, so this is side number one. Being a percussionist, is there is there a percussionist that it or I'm assuming drummer is that so yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah is there an is can you think of an underrated percussionist one that doesn't get enough credit yeah that's a good question because we've all heard like uh, what's his face like uh, Neil Peart's the greatest yeah, drummer of all time underrated yeah, yeah. is there an underrated one like I, an underrated guy one, or yeah. girl that we're just like fish fuck man like we should appreciate that person a lot mm-hmm. more oh. maybe I something mean, that is... a good ear would only be able to hear no I mean. I mean, it's underrated, but it's people talk about it being so underrated. It's Ringo Starr hmm. from the Beatles. Oh. So, I mean, Ringo, not flashy, hmm. not, not you know, not flamboyant, but in a lot of the stuff I've read about the Beatles, the guys would always say he was never, he never made a mistake. He was always on with the beat, even though there's arguments that say that he wasn't necessarily the best drummer of the Beatles, yeah, right? Exactly. Well, Paul McCartney might have actually been a better drummer than Ringo. Like, someone who's like John Lennon said that, yeah. or someone. Yeah, wow. but Ringo was yeah. always like wow. really, really on track. Um, I didn't learn until much later. I can't remember when this was. There was like this huge documentary series. It might have been the Beatles anthology, but the one that they did on video. And it's, they get to like near the end of the career and Ringo was like, well, one of the reasons I didn't become a really good drummer is during our live shows, I had to bang the crap out of the drums just so they could hear the time. I couldn't do anything on stage because oh, really? our equipment was so crappy. So in some ways he wasn't able to really evolve as a percussionist until they finally got into the studio. Oh. So it was always him huh. just having to be really, really steady on the beat. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Took no. me a long time to really appreciate that sort of thing. You always like, you know, a high school kid. You're like, you want the flashiest drummer. You yeah, want to be able to do all these tricks and everything. But want to be Lars Ulrich, whatever that guy's name is. <sighs> yeah, you want to ninety Metallica. Per- yeah. But ninety percent of the songs you listen to, the drummer's hardly doing anything. They're right. just keeping a nice steady beat, like nice in the pocket that everybody can kind of fit into. And Ringo was kind of the one that started that. But everybody sort of, you know, they just they don't think about Ringo. They think hmm. about the rest of the group. That's really interesting. Pete Best. Think about Pete Best. Pete Best. That poor guy. Leah, your instrument, even though we'll get to the one that you're learning right now, is clearly your voice. You have a fantastic and lovely voice. Is there, in your opinion, a singer that maybe is a little bit underrated or one that, like, we should appreciate more? Or or is there one that, like, you maybe stumbled upon recently and, like, oh, man, she or he has an incredible voice? Um, hmm. That's a great question. And I... I feel like the people that I listen to are the people who have public albums. So I'm sure there are okay. lots of like underrated singers out there. Um, but similarly, I think there's like this, the similar to what Jeff said in terms of like the flashy voices mm. are not always the ones that I love listening to. Right. And also mm-hmm. I think voices maybe like there's technicality to it, right? Like if you're on 
time and if you're you can hear what the person's saying and if they're hitting the notes but in terms of like the tone and the like the feeling that you get when you're listening to it i think that's different for everyone right mm. Um, and people prefer to just have different preferences in terms of what they listen to. So when, I don't know that there, I would say there's like underrated performance. Is, perhaps right? is there, or maybe I'll ask the, the, uh, a similar question sort of, but is there an overrated, is there a singer that you think like, God, that person is really not that good, but gets quite a bit of notoriety. Credit for being good? Yeah, notoriety. Yeah. That you think of that you can think of. I know you love Adele. I know that you, you sing quite a bit. Like, would you? She's she. In, she I, I don't think she's in that conversation, right? She's a pretty accomplished. Or yeah. Is she, or I, don't I know. mean, is I she think flashy? she is. Like, I yeah. think she's. I don't think she's like. I would say someone like Christina Aguilera, like, has an amazing voice, but the flashiness of it uh-huh. is not something that I personally like to listen to all the time because hmm. it's just like it, I feel like it's flashy. So but if you could strip her down, just you know, her singing, it would. That would appeal to you more, or I think so. Maybe yeah. it's like all the trills and all the like sure, sure, ups yeah. and downs. But but is that also, what you call them trills? Yeah, people yeah, yeah. people I like most trills. love uh, like people love her, and you know, especially from high school. Hmm. So like so, I, I I wouldn't say she's like bad. It's just, I think it's just a matter of taste more. Hmm. But I think like I've I've come to appreciate simplicity and nice tone, hmm. and not like needing to do all of the fancy schmancy stuff just yeah. kind of like a beautiful tone and like simple i don't know at that this is a stage of life that i know right now i value simplicity all right well i guess the next question and I'll, i'm gonna call i'm gonna call it the last question too before we get into the the meat of the episode um we'll go to leia first is there i mean is there a song as it as of someone who can sing and sing really well is there a song that you as soon as it comes on, or that you find yourself singing all of the time. Yes. Is your favorite song? Yeah. Yes. It, yeah. So right now, the song that I love singing all the time is called "Still Love." Okay. By Great Caesar, and it was written, I think, like the video and the like. I think it was written as like a parent's sort of love song to their child. Hmm. Um, it's just beautiful, and it's simple, and there's beautiful harmonies in it, and. Um, and this is maybe just because I'm on a Great Caesar kick right now. So, uh, but that one, and then there's another one that they have right now called Kiss Me Again. Mm. And that's also like, it's just beautiful and easy to sing to. But the other one that I love that I can't, like, and especially Adele's version, I know she didn't write it, but the Make You Feel My Love. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just, again, like, just like yeah. a simple love song. And I love great song. listening yeah. to it and singing it. Awesome. Jeff, um, I didn't even ask. I mean, are, are you? Do you sing? Like, do you, do? You, yeah. Like, well, it's kind of that? funny you had mentioned Ruth B. So the high school I was at in Toronto, the CBC does this national music class competition mm-hmm. every year, and the song Lost Boy mm-hmm. was one of the songs that was in the competition, and my school was in the finals last year. Oh, very oh, wow. cool. So. Not that I'd sing that song. The kids loved it. So. <laughs> it's a yeah, it is a great song. It was this catchy little thing that no, I never heard of it until one of the kids brought it in. Man, of when it first came out, and yeah. I was in this competition, and it was like pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so yeah, I do sing. I've taught, taught vocal music, even yeah. though I'm not a singer. Right. Um, but so, so do you have a favorite song to either sing to or jam to if you're on if you're on, uh, on the kit, like behind the? There's got to be. Fuck, I don't know. Give me a German Jamaica tune. I find if I'm in like one of those like kind of one of those down moods, I'll just put some Jamaica. That's a good call. Some old yeah. school Jamaica. Yeah. We're First gonna, album stuff like Emergency mm-hmm. from Planet Earth. Oh fuck yeah, man! Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, that's good shit. We gotta have maybe yeah. 
I was gonna ask you what songs should we have on this episode? But we just play the album. We just play the whole album. Yeah. I had I had my high school band play um, "When You're Gonna Learn" last year, oh, which I couldn't believe dope. they pulled off. But it was so much fun. They got they that's got into cool, it. Cool man. That's Shit, sweet. that's pretty cool. That's good. All right, cool. All right, uh, Leia and Jeff, you guys are on the hot seat. So, congratulations. 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 I need an ice pack. Yeah. yeah. Get another glass of wine. We'll get another. Uh, we good. Beverage, if you'd like. That's All right. right, today's episode, we're going to talk about what makes a musician. So uh, let's get right to it. Pretty famous musicologist that's yes, he, from the East Coast. Okay, never mind. He went to East Coast. He went to Berkeley. West Coast. I believe. Berkeley School of Music track. in Boston. Okay, anyway, never anyway. mind. Never mind. Okay, so there's a chapter in his book, um, uh, chapter seven, called What Makes a Musician? And um, I didn't, couldn't think of it, two better people to discuss the topic with than Stephen Levitt. Freakonomics. Yeah, Stephen okay, Levitt. Okay, I was close ish. Close. Yeah. ish. Stephen yeah. Levitt. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's acceptable. Uh, but uh, Jeff, you. who I know is a musician, and uh, Leia, who I, I know is a fantastic singer, but also an, an aspiring uh, violinist. Mm-hmm. So we'll also talk about that. But I will ask the very general question to both of you as guest hosts. What the hell makes a musician? What makes Jeez. a musician? Mm. I think very simply, yeah. someone who makes music. Okay, fair enough. Someone who makes music, like... I think that's noise. Here. I don't okay. think that's music. Okay. Ah, okay. I think that's hideous noise. <laughs> hideous noise. Yeah. Okay. But he had intention behind it. He was trying oh. to make music out of it. Is it the intention? Jeff- he wasn't. He was trying to be make hideous. Like he was not. Yeah, hideous. that's a hideous. Sound. I think he was trying to be a bit of a, a bit of a knob gobbler there. He but, was. But I think his point was: could it be anything? Like, and I, I like I the I like the intention aspect to it intentionality your goal right what did they teach you in grad school what did they teach me in grad school (laughs) (laughs) i feel like professors know they don't okay so okay but oh yeah so okay in your in your somebody who makes music it could be anyone 
anything. Could it be a, a monkey? Could it be a, a dolphin? A whale? Whale music. Whale music. Beautiful. Right? Yeah, there, are composers, that there are composers that, was that either actually a, use whale sounds and bird sounds. To that was either a monkey or a dolphin. It was supposed to be weird. a dolphin. Okay. A monkey riding a dolphin. Well, whale, song, whale songs are, can be beautiful, yeah. right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But there's a human using the whale sounds, using elements of nature. But is that whale a musician? No, because they have no intention. Unless do they? That's the question. <laughs> I don't communication. Know. Yeah. I don't right? know. Music I don't know. It's communication. Yeah. Music is communication. So we're trying to answer. So okay, we have <sighs> definition. <laughs> um, you mean the right? The right definition. Sure, the right Angel? definition. Is that what I'm hearing yes. you say? Right. A, it's a definition. Right. <laughs> oh, you're drinking um, dolphin wine too. Look at that. Dolphin. <laughs> Jeff, do you want to chime in on that? What's your What's your take on that? It's like it's such a. I know it's a fucking it's a heavy question, question because yeah. you're. You you kind of there's layers into this too. You're you're dealing with someone who's a professional who's making a career out of it. Yeah. But then you also have this whole community music aspect, which maybe mm-hmm. it's there's that thing, which is like really cool. Like being a part of a drum circle or in a choir can have a very like really community sort of basis. You could be just playing guitar in your house. Like there's something to to that too. That's still a musician. So I think what <clears throat> is difficult with this question is just. The layers attached to it. Hmm. So yeah, it could be anybody who's playing an instrument, making music, writing music with some sort of intention behind it. But there's also the fact that, what are our standards for this? Do we consider someone who's a musician, a musician when we're paying money to go see them, mm-hmm. or we're you know r- ripping them off by listening to something on a free device, or is somebody a musician that's if they're you know, banging on the table in an annoying and horrible way? <laughs> yeah, very asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all established. Okay, that. so wait, oh, okay. Play back the tape. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna cut it. Gonna <laughs> uh, when you, okay, so Jeff, when you, when you talk about the layers of what what to this question or what makes a musician, where does intentionality like is that layer number one? Like, where does it fit? Like, do you have to intend to make? Or to be musical, or to have musicality. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, no, no. I think, I think that's all a public perception. Mm. I think that's an audience sort of thing. Um, and maybe for you, if you're at home playing guitar, I don't know. I'm trying to play, relearn guitar right now, and like, I don't consider myself a guitarist, even though I'm trying to learn. But if I were playing at a concert, maybe then I would be a little bit more willing to say it. So there, maybe there's sort of the performance aspect that's making it more mm-hmm. of a musician aspect. So I feel like, like that's yeah. It's again, there's different sort of layers of this whole thing. I feel like if you were to introduce yourself as a musician, people would expect that you, that was your way of making a living, so you would be paid to do that. But I feel like the question, "What makes a musician?" That's, is not, like, how, that's not how I asked it. By it the is way, but, with okay. that voice, like the like my five voice, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's similar. To, it's similar to what makes an artist. Oh, that's Someone not. Who uh, makes art. Okay, are artists and musicians the same thing? Yes. Okay. Why? To me, they are. How? Why? Because they're both forms of art, and music is a specific form of art. That's like saying. So they should all be artists, you... then, is what we're saying. Sure. Okay. So sure. it's really just, okay, to call them someone a musician is really. But I wouldn't no, no, like, but I like, like I like drawing. I think it's but, used interchangeably, right? Artist and musician, absolutely. even on much music. I think remember when they would show they, they did the song, right? Mm. It'd be song, and and then it would say artist, 
Yes. Radiohead. Right, not musician. Exactly. I wouldn't say musician. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe yeah. they're all artists, and it's just the medium that's different. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Painting, sculpture, music, yeah. dance, whatever, so, cooking. So, so, cooking. Where, so where cooking. does... Oh, I'm okay. an artist, and my medium is food. Is food, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's well, true. you'd be a chef, right? Like, technically, to get... Well, I guess what I'm saying is when you, you, you reserve musician, you, re, you reserve uh, thespian, you reserve these, like, certain, like... Superlatives or words to describe when they're when they become an expert at something. When yeah, that makes sense. Right? Or like, when they're being paid to do something. Are those the same thing? No. Okay. Of course not. Um, explain. What do you mean? Like, I think you can be a non-expert and get paid for something. Okay. Give me. Okay. Give me an example. Oh, give me an example of an artist, a, a musician specifically, who would be that is perhaps wildly famous, gets paid a ton of money, but are they quintessentially the definition of, of a musician? Can you think of somebody who fits so that? So what I'm thinking of right now, yeah. though I'm not entirely familiar with all of these people, mm-hmm. is like the Simon Cowell, like I'm gonna choose mm-hmm. you from this lineup and put you into a boy band and make you famous, right? even though you're not an expert. Or not necessarily, wouldn't have necessarily defined yourself as a musician, right? Like, it's like the America's Got Talent. Or the American whole K-pop Idol. genre yeah. is, is that. You're selected and you're put in to a group. Right. They don't know each other before, right? Right. No. So, like, but to me, those... Sorry, dude. But no, who's no, to no, say no, they no. haven't put in the time as an individual to get themselves to a certain level? So, so yeah. I think of something like, like Randy Bachman, guitarist of the guest who had yep. this great line that says, you need to spend 10,000 hours doing something... Yeah. Until you become an expert. But not everybody has, and I can speak for myself as a socially awkward person here, not everybody has the social acumen or the wherewithal to get themselves out there. And so it's you see true. things like, you see those awesome stories like Susan Boyle. Like, yeah. It's the best example right. that comes to my yeah, head. Yeah. Where all of a sudden she starts singing and you're like, what the hell is this? And you it's wouldn't beautiful. expect it. Yeah. But I'm like, she's put her 10,000 hours in. But she didn't have that next step. Who's to say? Maybe she was in. She could have been at a subway station singing, but again, that wouldn't have worked. Like, still would have been reaching people, but maybe what people wouldn't have realized the talent and the skill that was there. So mm-hmm. it's it's a really complicated question. I think of someone like Ariana Grande, who I'm like, I don't know. How did you get here? I don't know how you saw here. She's adorable. <laughs> I think she has a great voice. I know she doesn't enunciate very well, and I know my sister-in-law, my wife, and my other sister-in-law would agree with this. Like, she's a fantastic singer, but it kind of sounds really muffled. Like, her her enunciation is terrible. But I would, no, I would. No, I'm trying not to like put my musical taste into that okay, argument, enough, which yeah. also complicates this whole musician. What makes right. a musician thing? Musical taste will do that too. Right. But I also kind of go, where did she come from? Whereas when you watch a show like that, you're like. You hear their story, and then it's pretty fantastic. Mind you, there are K-pop bands where you're like, what, where where did this... You still kind of have that kind of where did it come mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. You think of someone like Psy. He, he has a degree from Berkeley. He actually has a music degree from Berkeley. The guy actually put, that. Yeah, he put in the work to this, and then, then he became this huge pop superstar for a year. Yeah. <laughs> and got a billion right? YouTube oh, hits. God. Right? So, don't so we all, record. Marie? Don't we all have a billion so it's, I know it's, we do. Uh, we are we're steadily working our way towards a billion something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. A billion Bitcoin. followers on Bitcoins. 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 Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a tough question because it's because it's even I sometimes go, well, I studied music for years right. and years and years, and I'm like, 
shoot, I don't play anymore because of performance injuries and uh, wasn't making any money, but I, <laughs> I'm a teacher, so I teach music now. Do I still think of myself as, as a musician? musician. Yeah, that's so that's a tricky one. And you too. probably, but you probably wouldn't introduce yourself as a musician, right? You would introduce yourself as a music teacher. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, I do now. Yeah. So I feel like when you talk about it in social circles, if you make money, it's like it's like what's your job? What do you do? Oh, so what do you do? That's like the second question people ask you, other than your name, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like if you were to say, "I am a musician," "I am an artist," then the implication would be you are being paid to do this thing. What I've but yeah. I feel like the question you're asking is not actually that. It's like a more ephemeral question. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. what I find interesting, and I would, and I, I mean, I don't think I'm asking that question necessarily because, uh, in, in my head, I think of yes, I think a modern way to look at it would be yeah like if you identify as a musician as a profession it means you're getting paid yes but a, a very a much more classical way of looking at it is like if you identified as a musician in ancient greece you didn't get like you were you were you're a fucking genius first of all probably and like people people didn't want to necessarily pay you but you like were a peasant you were but you were a some like heavenly sent being that could play the harp the liar. Whatever the liar. <laughs> whatever instrument. Whatever. But like you, it was. Was saying if we're going to talk about historical accuracy. Sure. <laughs> it wasn't about money though. It wasn't about. It wasn't about money. Like you were. You right. were elevated to some other status. Like you. You know what I mean. So, but I'm not asking that because I don't think musicians today aspire to be that. Like if you were aspire, I don't know. I don't. I or maybe their aspirations are are to have a, a really great legacy as as a great musician, but they're not. They, I don't. Is it fair to say that musicians don't? Oh, I don't know, we might lose some followers of this. Like, do they do they put themselves up with like? Do they consider themselves an intellectual the way that we look at people who study sociology in the same way, right? Become an expert on some sort of really specific sliver of sociology, right, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, are they would we put them on that level? Are they intellectual? Are they intellects? Are they elite? Or is it just? That. I feel like you're taking a really broad swath of humanity and saying, like, is everyone the same way? Mm, and they're mm. not. Of course they're not. I'm not saying that at all. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to really... Is the definition of a musician just that... Is it really just that impossible to define? Or is it like... What, does, is, um, what does your pal um, Daniel J. Levitin think? What does he think? He thinks a lot of different things. Uh, one of the things that... You guys both mentioned, or Jeff mentioned, but Analea and I mentioned before the whole idea of 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are curious, that's three hours a day, 20 hours a week for 10 years straight. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, let me try to answer your question by asking you both a question. Are you an expert at something, Analea? I'm an expert at something. What, but what? What's By this definition, <laughs> 10,000 hours, what are you an expert at? I would say I'm an expert at my job. I would say that's roughly what a PhD takes someone to do. Right. Yeah. Hours. Okay. Hence yeah. my previous sort of analogy to like, are you an intellectual then? If you are, if you are by this definition, an expert at a specific musical instrument, are you, can you say that? Well, then, then yeah, we, you and I are on the same stratosphere in terms of intellect. So, okay. So you are, your job is, and you are, would be an expert in what? Like in public health? Then? Yes. Okay. Jeff? Are you an expert? <laughs> see, Andy becomes, Kimbe? see, that becomes more interesting because for me, I, with music, uh-huh. I dabbled in many different areas. So when I first started 20 years ago at Laurier, 
I was doing composition and music history. So I was doing that and started playing. Well, percussion was something I was doing, but I was like, I don't know. It was sort of like, it was more like the hobby. It was the reason I got into the program, but it okay. wasn't what I planned to do. But then I was like, I was doing well with it. I really enjoyed it. Played in like, the, played as a soloist at the orchestra one year. I'm like, all right, I'm good at this. Um, then spent four years doing grad school out west, was playing, was composing, was doing music history, and then started teaching a bit. But not as a teacher of instruments, teaching music history, teaching music theory, teaching co composition, all those sorts of okay. things. Um, my failed grad experience was at Western. I did a PhD in pop music studies. Oh, cool. And this was after the performance injury hit, tried to do a, tried to get into a school in Amsterdam, was realizing, oh, I'm 30, what am I doing? And it was during this year at Western, I was like, I hate this. There are, and this is where I was realizing, I'm studying this for a PhD, and I'm like, I'm thinking of, oh, I'm losing his name. Guy that works for the Edge, the ongoing history of music. Oh, Alan Ross. Ross. There he is. Yeah. Like I'm like, he doesn't have this this pedigree and these degrees, but he's got the mm -hmm. cultural capital to talk about yeah. this. What do I need this degree for? He's doing it already. But I love the teaching aspect. So now I'm like, ten years later, I've been teaching music, doing all these things. I'm like, this broadens that scope of the term musician. I'm hmm. not a musician in terms of playing an instrument now, but in terms of having that holistic kind of view of music from all these different vantage points, have that. So, like, I, just, so just, that change. That's it, where. So now that changes things again. Where you go, well, am I a musician? I'm like, well, as an expert on an instrument, no, because I, I can't play much anymore. But in terms of having a kind of a knowledge of music and having all these experiences, then, yeah, I would say you're an expert at composition. I would say you're. I would also, by the same token, say you're an expert. Just hearing you talk about it, teaching how to play like it, different instruments or teaching music, I think it's safe to say you would you know you would be an expert. Ten years is a long fucking time, guys. Like to be right or I don't know, and that or is is the ten thousand hours is that too arbitrary? Is that like or so I think that it has to be qualified because so I had a hmm. coach when I was in high school and I played volleyball. I had a coach who used to say, "It's not practice that makes perfect." It's perfect practice that mm. makes perfect. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you're practicing the wrong thing, yeah. or if mm -hmm. you're practicing yeah. and you're just kind of goofing around all the time, right. you can spend 10,000 hours practicing the wrong thing and still not necessarily be an expert. So I don't know like the extent to which you need to be taught by an expert to become an expert. I think there's an, a, an aspect of that. Um, but I think that it needs to be a specific kind of like practice effort etc to become that expert and, and well I, I would agree with that i think absolutely I, yeah to the extent that you they don't they don't just they're not just going to trot anyone out to you know to play carnegie hall right like they i mean ten thousand hours might even be the fucking bare minimum <laughs> for them to play have anybody or like or any, right. anywhere of merit that like where people expect to hear fucking awesome music right yeah. like i'm not just gonna go so there. someone who sings along to the radio for 10 hours not, 10 thousand hours right it's not yeah. the same as someone who like takes vocal no, training no, and yeah. like learns music history no and you learns... need a variety of different experiences mm. to do that sort of thing and it's and it doesn't and it doesn't necessarily just have to be a playing aspect too i mean it could be listening to stuff too like getting like there's more to just being a musician i think than just playing stuff 
I mean, you're you have to make sure you have a community of musicians that you can go and listen to, that you can talk sure. with, get experience that way. Especially, and yeah, this is le- reading way too many autobiographies by musicians, where you realize they're mid career, they're still with their boys or with their female band, and they're like hitting like this. I don't know, it's almost like a marriage, just hitting like this roadblock, and they start doing these sort of solo things, and that gives them that spark to continue. So there's all kinds of different different ways of looking at it so i like this idea of like this this question because i have this debate a lot about with sports figures as well like are you are Isn't you... this for a different podcast marie could no, be no i've heard so many there you go yeah, I don't I don't know exactly we're on the same wavelength yeah, so i've heard concerned. so many comparisons between professional musicians well, that's and thing. sports yeah. athletes are, is, like it's... is it is it a combination like is there a point where you have to be a little bit naturally good at it versus can anyone be taught to be an excellent musician? That's that's what I'm asking because I think I could never be taught. The talent, the talent. I, I think I could never be taught to taught play an instrument it. or sing or you know even carry a tune at any at any level. Not with that uh, attitude. <laughs> and maybe not. Maybe that's part of it, right? I don't know. But I like I'm not. I was never naturally like I I wasn't raised in a musical house. Mm-hmm. At ah, all. right now. Um, so I like I didn't have I didn't get get those sponge years right where you're, when you're a kid and you can just like absorb anything. Um, if anything, I absorbed a lot of Anne Murray and a little Neil Diamond. That's that was the big those are the big things in there for me. But is is it a combination of like nat like naturally inclination or in skill is one more than the other or can one just trump the other? Does it matter? Um, like how many great musicians are 100% self-taught? Is there anyone out there who? that we can think of that is like uh, there, never took a there, lesson there's a lot there are there's many lot. There's there are a lot. many yeah. that are self-taught I would I, I would say definitely in the like definitely in the popular music stream more more than the classical but, music stream right, but sure right, right. definitely more there um, I I'm not a child psychologist so I don't I can't answer <laughs> you're this you're not? no I don't even remember my psych course or my ed degree uh, <laughs> but I do think I do think that there's something that happens to really young kids, be somewhere between the age of three to five, where music, like music, just speaks to them in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, and I wasn't in a very musical household. My parents didn't even get, did not graduate high school, so they, they, they weren't into that thing. But I think when I was three, got me a piano keyboard, and I just, just gravitated right to, to it. it. Right, and I think there's some some people that gravitate more to others. I think most people have some sort of I hate the multiple intelligence BS. Yeah, but, yeah, sure. But there are people that how many are we at now? Twelve? Like Twelve multiple intelligence? There's nine. I thought there was there's nine. Shit! But, I thought there was seven. No, I think it's I thought seven. Was yeah, because a lot. like environmental is one. It went now. up to nine. It went yeah, up to nine. nine. But I think everybody everybody connects multiple to music bullshit. in some sort of way, whether it's yeah. <laughs> And I've had this conversation with people where oh, we've you've lost her now. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's fine, and I've lost my I'm losing my train of thought. Okay, well, oh no no okay it's he's it's, back. I think there is this sort of it will gravitate towards people more than all, more than others. You still got to put the work into it if you want to really elevate yourself. Okay, and you have that, and it's still drive yeah. and motivation. Sure, all yeah. those different facets that it, come into play. I think there's a, like a, a huge component. I I don't see it like. I see it in, like, I go to a decent amount of concerts. I wouldn't say a lot, but I see it in some bands more than I see it in other. And it's this, it's this quality of, like, joy that I see. People, like, just loving what they're playing. And you can tell that they love. So, like, exa- like uh, Dave Grohl 
is a guy who embodies that soul and like you can tell he loves every fucking minute of it. Arcade Fire man. Uh, and that was yeah. just uh, yeah, I just Those was at the Arcade Fire show in Toronto every time. and they Still were having I. the best time been, of their lives. Been for 15 years probably. Yeah, well, but I, I remember seeing those guys Oh, in man. vamp before they hit it big. Jesus, like, there's they, well, they've got they that one guy in the amazing. band who just like he kind of hits stuff. Yeah, and he plays a little keyboard, but basically, but basically he's just running around in a fucking jean jacket, sweating his balls off. Yeah, and he loves he's it. loving every fucking every second of it. Of it. Yeah. yeah, but then I, you know, I've seen other shows. I've seen I've seen Interpol who look like they wanted to get the fuck out of there as fast as they could. Yeah, and they played their stuff and it sounded fine, but. And maybe that's just that's how they funny. are. But... I always wondered with them initially if it was a confidence thing. If they just weren't confident in their they're, abilities. They're recluses, all of them, I think. Well, now I think that. Yeah. Because by now, I'm like... Mind you, they've been around face, for a the long main guy, time. The main guy, he recently recorded name. a whole album with like RZA from Wu-Tang. Oh, yeah. Shit, that's, like, that's cool. Or Raekwon or something. like, And it's pretty good, yeah. actually. Yeah. Hmm. So, I, we touched on a couple things. Here is just from Levitin's book... The, we're talking about the 10,000 hours argument. This guy better send us a check. The classic rebuttal to <laughs> the 10,000 hours argument goes something like this. Well, what about Mozart? I hear that he was composing symphonies at the age of four. And even if he was practicing 40 hours a week since the day he was born, that doesn't make 10,000 hours. And I don't know why I all of a sudden put on like a valley accent. <laughs> some shit from like Chino Hills. He goes on to say, first, this is Levitin now speaking... There are factual errors in this account. Mozart didn't begin composing until he was six, which is fucking insane. That's such a stupid. <laughs> Come on. And he, didn't write, and he didn't write his first symphony until he was eight. I'm 34. I've yet to write my first symphony. What the fuck? Yeah, you're a failure. Still, I know. Still, <laughs> writing a symphony idiot. at the age of eight is... This is crazy. Levitin. Unusual, <laughs> to say the least. Mozart yeah. demonstrated precociousness early, uh, precociousness early in his life. But that is not the same thing as being an expert. No. And this to your to your Jeff point uh, earlier before. Many children write music, and some even like uh, even write large scale works when they're as young as eight. You know, when they're singing the many the do. Part. I don't know. According to Levitin, yeah, I they're did. just not called Mozart. And Mozart had extensive training from his father, who was widely considered to be the greatest living music teacher in. His, Mozart's best music was at the end of his life. Like, and by then he'd accumulated more yeah, and more experience. It's not like he wrote great. That's true. Was it good? Was, was it good? Because I painted shit when I was four. That's exactly what yeah. it is. And it was it was it was it's fucking like, here's awful. This, here's this famous person now. And look, when they were a kid, they also did anyway. things, yeah. even though they were shittier right. versions and, of the things they got really good and at. And that's sure. what and that's what Levinson yeah. says. So he says, "Do we you, know? Do we know Mozart? Do we know his he, symphony he wrote when he was six? Like, do people perform that? They're probably not great, and that's why no one knows what they are. No, right? Definitely. No, and he not. says, "I says yeah. clearly Mozart became an expert eventually, but did the writing of that first excuse me symphony qualify him as an expert? He hadn't clocked ten thousand hours at that point, or did he attain his level of musical expertise?" Sometime later, and I think we can all say that. But but to show that kind of innate ability, which we were kind of talking about, mm -hmm. at the age of fucking six, to write anything at eight, let alone a freaking symphony, is incredible. Unusual. God, that's an understatement. Yeah. Um, Classic um, Levinson. But like, <laughs> it's crazy though. But like, but to be identified as a, as an individual who has that sort of innate ability, Murray's point too, like. Yeah, you can practice face-offs and, and winning face-offs, but 
Man, if you can't, if Deanna you can't Crow. do right, if you, yeah, I love that guy. <laughs> if you <great>. can't, <laughs> him and Aki Bird. Um, if you can't, I don't know. There's certain things like Joe Sakic's wrist shot. Mm-hmm. Is you that can't fucking. Yeah. This is about music. No one knows. What I know. You guys no, are no, about the yet. analogies are very similar. Like I, I was once. I was in some orchestra training thing in Hamilton, and we had a guest artist from used to play with the Canadian Brass, and he came in and he said, "So if you are wanting to get into an orchestra anywhere in the world, you have less chance than making the Canadian Olympic team." And it's <laughs> and it's still like that dedication that you need and every and all of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The best way to understand the Mozart analogy, and this just popped in my head, is a couple of weeks ago I was watching old videos of Bjork when she was twelve. Yeah. So there's videos on YouTube wow. of her in a rock band when she was 12. Was she eating like a human heart? What was she doing? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> but, it's, like... but it's like you can see like, her, like you can sort of sense, well, you, you know it's her. The vocal mannerisms, the way she's on sure, stage. Right. But you, when you, if you go there and you track to where she is now, yeah, this it's, I don't want to say she's the modern day Mozart. Not even, don't want to imply that whatsoever. But it's kind of that same sort of thing where you're like, She's trying, but not I mean, not necessarily an expert. Here's here's another loaded question. I'm sure you guys all of this. Is genius hereditary? If you are from a line of quote-unquote geniuses, whether it's a musical genius, uh, math genius, whatever, is it is it is it hereditary? Like, do you, genetically, is that just something... The analogy Levitin makes is that um, he talks about uh, you kind of talk about like your house household being musical. Your household was mm-hmm. never really musical, therefore not at all. You didn't really delve into music, right? Um, um, t- delve into t- listening, right? But not, not necessarily. But like, so yeah. for example, if your parents spoke French all the time, you're invariably going to pick up French. Your your household would be considered French, right? Like it, it's a, a very French household, français, right? But I uh, so fr- okay. Sorry, dude. <laughs> French quote unquote runs in the family. But French runs in the family. Well, no, they, in, that, in your household, speaking yeah, okay, French, so French yeah. but is it genetic at that point? Knowing that you are both Scottish and something else, German, yeah. German. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not is, but like, I, well, I don't know who you guys. Okay, is, is, is it is any sort of type of genius? Is it at all genetic or hereditary? So I feel like the narrative of genius without effort is so compelling because (laughs) it's like and also incredibly rare and maybe impossible Mm. like maybe non-existent because i feel like the people who are geniuses who are recognized as such have put a lot of fucking effort into that ability right so it's not and i have a friend who says like it's discipline not motivation that it's like it's the actual practice it's not just being inspired to do something it's Mm -hmm. actually putting the time and the effort in to do it and to become an expert and to become really good and so like the examples that we've heard about mozart or about bjork it's like really people get better at something the more that they do that thing (laughs) of course they do and so yeah. you can be, I think there's like a natural inclination and a natural gift that some people have. Right. Mm. But they need to hone it and they need to put a lot of effort into yeah. it to get really good at it. Yeah. And that's what separates people with a gift 
from people who have the gift but also become very successful or very like well recognized for their gift. And you can say the same thing about fucking hockey players, everyone. <laughs> That's why Trevor Lindon because... is not Mary Hosa. <laughs> <laughs> but you do. You have really highly touted prospects who are really looking like they're going to be good because they have the gift but they don't have the discipline and they don't mm-hmm. put their work into it. But uh, yeah, in terms of in terms of like intelligence or genius, it's you know it's it's a mixed bag, right? There of course is some genetic elements to it, but a lot of it is the nurture piece. As yeah, well. that's you, that, you and do, that's a whole right? other can. Like yeah. you talk about the whole socioeconomic thing of and yep. that sort of that's mm-hmm. huge to go into that sort of thing where you. So it's yeah, it's and a that's big why those, topic. That's Absolutely. why those stories of like. People who rise from the ashes, rise from poverty to become like these successful moguls are like so compelling and also so rare because everyone's like, oh, this could happen to everyone, even though it doesn't fucking happen to everyone. It's so hard to move up. Nobody, almost. So, anyway. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) This might be the last one, though I do want to ask Leia how her uh, her, uh, violin violin training is going, and she might even play us out at the end of this episode. Oh, sick. Play us out. Yeah. There's one other... other, You're fine. because I don't listen to a lot of classical music, and I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not a fan of Bjork, but I do understand why. Yeah, we talked a lot about fucking Bjork. Today. I do understand. I do sorry. understand. I did not expect that. But to I, do, I believe I do. the line was said, "Whether you're Mozart or Bjork." <laughs> I do understand. That line was said. You know what's scary? I don't think I'm the first one that said that. <laughs> I I do understand why people think she's a genius, and part of it is, and, and I'm gonna go back to um, Levitin and. His whole idea that like, okay, and Leah mentioned it too. Like, you can't just practice for ten hours, ten thousand hours. If you practice like really poorly and you have shitty discipline mm-hmm. and habits, and you're just practicing wrong, you're not going to be considered an expert. Fair enough, and I get that. So you get enough classical training. Hello. Yeah. Oh. Hello. It's okay. Welcome. Welcome. You get a, Jeff and this is Rose's birthday. Maybe she'll also have a birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Rosie. Happy birthday to you. Woo! No, happy twenty-fifth birthday, Rose. Not even close to sixty. Yeah. Okay, so Levitin. Sixty years old. Levitin asked a an anonymous professor at a very well-known uh, musical school and uh, basically asked this professor uh, he said uh, at what point is it the jury yard it uh, no at what point or is there ever any time that you can teach quote-unquote expressivity so in in a music school and Jeff's laughing his ass off right now um, <laughs> And her response is this. She says, quote, some of them come in, her students, already knowing how to move a listener, whatever that means. Usually they figured it out themselves somewhere along the line. The surprise and disappointment in my face must have been obvious. Occasionally, she added, almost in a whisper, if there's an exceptional student, there's time during the last part of their last semester here to coach them on emotion. Usually this is for people who are already performing as soloists in orchestra, and we help them to coax out more expressivity from the performance. So when you talk about, I don't listen to classical music, so I don't even, I couldn't really tell you why Mozart is better than Bach, or I don't know, or or maybe they're not. Is he? 
I don't know. But, like, I think it'll be Bjork, no part of what makes Bjork really interesting and unique and a quote-unquote genius is she's, like, her her expressivity, her her ability to, uh, to, I don't know, like, sound weird and a weird in a good way, though, right? Um, so my question to you is that, like, is that accurate? And if so, why the hell would you send a kid to music school if, if, if they take four and a half years and then the last couple weeks is, like, we're gonna teach you how to be kind of a genius. Whereas, like, should you not be nurturing that genius? And then... it's okay. This is a really loaded one. Um, I think for most people, <laughs> I've had this conversation not with students, but with more like with, with teachers. It comes down to life experience. So there's sometimes with, and I can say this about any musician, where if they haven't had a life. If they haven't experienced a whole lot of other stuff, they can't dig on those experiences to get into the music. It sounds flat. There's no energy to it. There's nothing to that sort of thing. So you can listen to some 10-year-old kind of like, you know, musical prodigy. And it's like, yeah, they can technically play it and it's like this. But That's... there's no soul to it. And How does like... it sound different? How does it sound different? If it's the there's same no ebb and flow. Right? There's no yeah. ebb and flow. There's no. There's no. With classical music, you can kind of take some liberties with speed and tempo. Okay. You can change things with dynamics. Okay. You don't get that a lot in pop music, right? Pop music jazz, is very. Though. You can get it in jazz, right? And there's a reason John Coltrane's music is fantastic, yeah. right? Like it's. But a lot of pop music, it's recorded in a specific band for a reason. You've got the drum centered mm-hmm. in a certain space because that's how it's going to be like the speakers are going to be set up so you rarely get a pop tune that will change in a change in those sorts well, there's of more things. of a formula right? right you want you know what sells and you know what doesn't the one reason i think well there's many reasons but one of the reasons people loved going to a tragically hip show was the amount of emotion that gore downey would exhibit on stage yeah and some of that would have been through all kinds of life experiences that he had. He got better as he got older yep. because he was drawing on these different things. But he also, you know, he understood the lyrics. He also understood, look, they'll hear my recording. He knows the recordings are compressed and they're flat. But here I can give them something else. When it comes to classical music, and I hear so this morning I was on, you know, screwing around on Twitter because I'm on break. And there was this musician, who classical musician nominated for the Polaris Prize. I can't remember his name, but he did a piano cover version of Feist Mushaboom. And it was gorgeous. Hmm. And he took all these liberties. Like, it was messed up. You could kind of hear the, hear the melody in there. I had to listen to the song again because I actually didn't, couldn't hear it the first time. But he's taking all these different liberties with tempo. But he's drawing on these past experiences too. He's like, I first heard the song when I was in high school, some skateboard movie. So I'm like thinking about that as I'm writing this. But then I have all my musical training. So I'm bringing that into the foray. And he's playing an old upright piano. You can hear the clicks. It's like, oh, this is fantastic. And he's drawing all that. And I hate to say it, he's probably gone through a bunch of breakups. He's probably had all kinds of (laughs) shitty experiences. You can hear that through the music. And you can hear that. When you're a 12-year-old kid, you're not going to have that. And it's amazing. Like I'll I'll immediately be with somebody who's like, yeah, it's great. The kid needs to get laid. <laughs> I, I remember. I remember when I was studying west, studying out west in Victoria, and there's this percussionist who just kept. He just had the draw. He had that determination. But he didn't sound very good. Oh at my all. god! But I couldn't believe his determination. 
And my it was my prof who said, I don't know why he keeps doing it. I don't know why he keeps doing it. I said, wait, give it a couple of years. Just wait. And all of a sudden, a couple of years later, I'm back out here and I'm hearing he's now playing in orchestras. He's doing this, doing solo gigs. I'm like, do you get laid? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's all it takes. It's life experience. And maybe for some of the musicians, they didn't get, it was, it was probably Something a lot else. of drugs or God sure. knows what yeah. else there was, but there's this life experience thing that really help, comes to the fray. Or with bands now who have been playing for a long time, there's nostalgia things too. So there's right. all these different layers to the emotional piece. So when you're dealing with the example that Levitin's giving, where you're talking about 20, year, 20, 20 year one year old kids who, I mean, man, I still feel like I'm a high school kid, but I'm like, no, that was 20 years ago now. No, I didn't know that much then. And now I can, you know, I can play a guitar very badly, but I can play it more musically than a high school kid. Interesting. Because I've got all that background and that experience and can, and understand, and there's that understanding too. There's like knowing music history where this is, now I'll go even more off topic. There was an article a few years ago in Pitchfork, The Killers. Mm -hmm. Killers said, all rock music sucks now. No one's rebellious. That's rich. And like, <laughs> of all bands, from them. of yeah. all bands that's coming from, okay. there's no rebellion anymore. There's none of this. And I'm like, part of it is because there is so much stuff going on now, but also there is that fact that it's experiences too. We live in a culture where everybody's having to be careful all the time, whereas rock and roll didn't used to be about that. No. Right? So it's an interest. I, I get where he's coming from, but to unpack it and realize every individual is different. You look at someone like Michael Jackson, didn't have those kinds of experiences. But man, when he was with the Jackson 5, you're like, who is this kid? So there are those points, there are those very, very unique individuals where it is there, where it's coming from. I don't know. But it's, yeah. but I also think like when it's we, a big it's a big topic. Yeah. When we started this conversation and we started talking about the bands that we like right now, we started talking about the people who resonate with us right now because of the life stages or the experiences mm. that we're having right now. And so I wonder to what extent the audience is projecting their own experiences onto the artists mm. to whom they're listening. And then sort of hearing their own experiences yeah. reflected mm-hmm. back to them um, because that's where they're at. Yeah. And so certainly with like Ruth B, like when I was in that stage of my life where I needed, like I needed to hear some of her music, it felt like, and it really resonated with me. It's because my own experiences that I projected onto her music that I, that I then took and felt like it resonated with me. Um, and so I... I think because I think like the technical skills are necessary to be able to create the emotion that people need can feel then right because it's it's easy to get distracted by mistakes if they don't have the technical skills mm-hmm. to to make that experience seamless for it you. Feels I, gaps. I went yeah. through my entire early twenties whenever I'd go to concerts waiting for a mistake to happen on stage. That oh, was, really? That was where I was in my twenties as universe. So drunk. As a, <laughs> <laughs> In, I was so married and knocked up and having this babies. Is, this, was, <laughs> this was me being a classical music snob at the time and going to these concerts. Sure, yeah. And you're, yeah. you're realizing the only way I'm going to be up on that stage is if that person dies or some sort of medical horrible thing happens to them. Like, 
in your 20s, you don't care. You're, yeah. you're all self-absorbed, and you're just like, when's the mistake happening? So I can rub that and just and give me... That was the motivation that a lot of 20-year-olds have. It's not that emotional drive into the music. It's, it's right. this other thing. Hmm. Whereas now you go back and you look at simplicity. Like, I think of, like, Ruth B. She's not virtuosic, mm -mm. but... There's that emotional aspect that's mm -hmm. in a lot of her, like most of her. And tracks. she's young, so, and, she's and she's young, young too. So who knows? But, but there's a, probably a like. But I think of Lost Boy. I'm like, she's that's nostalgia written yes. all over yeah. that, and that's yeah. how she can get into it. Yeah, Leia, I know you're. I know you're learning to play violin. Yes. And and I know your expertise with that particular instrument is little to none. Okay. Yeah. But I. But. Um, I don't, I'm not going to ask you what your where what you would consider your expertise with your with your singing voices, but I've heard you sing numerous times and I know when certain songs that you sing, I, I understand the level, especially I think nowadays, the level of expressivity that you're, you know, expressing, emoting when you're singing certain songs. I hear it. And I, and I'm not like, I, I mean, we're friends, obviously I'm not listening for any mistakes, but I'm always listening to, to, to see, to hear your rendition of a certain song, like whether it's Adele or, or anything else. I always find it interesting. Are you, what is your, and the reason why I'm asking, I'm talking about that is what is your motive, like where, where do you see yourself in terms of your expertise with the violin? Like, do you want to get to that point too, where you can kind of like be proficient enough to be able to kind of fuck around on the violin and like be a little bit more, is that even the right thing? Really fuck term? around on the violin. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But like, yeah. I, I, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, you, you sing a certain way. All I can way, think of is the movie like, The Red Violin. You know I mean? like, no, yeah, yeah. But that's not good. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, Jesus. But like, or is, is it like, where do you want to get at? Where do you want to be at with your ability to play the violin? That's a great question. Uh huh. So I feel That's why like I ask great questions. You are he so good, good at this he's job, a good quizzer. Angel. Yeah, he's a good quizzer. Good quizzer. Um. So I feel like my life, in many ways, I have the things that I know that I'm good at, and the things that I know that I can't do. And so violin was one of those things that I felt like in the last few months, I have no fucking idea what to do <laughs> with violin. But it's something I've always wanted to, I've always been curious about. I've always like wanted to learn something new. And so to me, this was in, in my job, there's a level of expertise that's, that's expected of me. And as a parent, there's lots of pressure to be, you know, a great mom and to know, to feel like you know what you're doing. And, and, you know, so in these different roles that I have in my life, I feel like there's high expectations. Mm -hmm. And so Violin was something for me that I felt like that would be fun to learn. Mm -hmm. It's something I know that I don't know how to do, and no one else expects me to know anything about it. But it's something where I can like get out of my comfort zone and push myself and learn something new and suck at it and be totally fine with sucking at it. And so that was kind of an exciting thing for me. So I started the adult group lessons. <laughs> um, and I, I told you this, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, So I started as like in the adult beginner Suzuki group class. And then I took the first lesson and the teacher was like, oh my God, you know how to hold a bow. You can move up to novice. And I was like, nice. I know how to yeah. hold a bow. Awesome. 
We, so, no, it is not uh, archery. We, we are it making is not the archery, archery <laughs> motion. Yeah. 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 Just so you know. And a you can't different. see us. Yeah, 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 a little yeah. different. Yeah. This is for the TV podcast version. Yeah. Um, the so, television show. So then I moved up to the novice class and I felt like it was more challenging and like learning different things. So it's like, but it also feels like I'm, you know, probably the worst person in the class but I'm totally fine with it because I know that I'm pushing myself and there's no expectation of me to be great so mm. I would love to get to the point where I can fuck around on the violin I don't expect myself to get there so it's just something that I do out of the joy of learning something new yes I think that's a perfect way to end the episode it is also mm. it's been very long <laughs> <laughs> Mary, do you guys want to be Mary? <laughs> No, I just I'm thinking of our listeners. Oh, whatever, <laughs> man. Listeners. Whatever. I, I'm about to crack a fucking mo dry, <laughs> so I got nowhere to be. <laughs> it's Wednesday night, baby. Well, <laughs> listen, I uh, I I was I mentioned I texted Marie today. And I was like, I'm really looking forward to tonight's. Yeah, this this was so just because like Thank I mean, Jeff, I, I knew nice. I knew of your background. I knew um, you know like what you know, your expertise, etc. And I was curious to pick your brain. And I was also very much curious to know where, where Leia's musical journey was uh, with the violin, but also just, you know, to ask her loaded questions that she sometimes shat on. <laughs> That's fine. <What? laughs> it's fine. Wow. It's like... <laughs> I was totally I engaged was... in this whole process. She was, she was, she was, she was. There was like minor shat. <laughs> A little bit. Of, a little bit all by shark ass. Billy, Sh- <laughs> Billy Shatters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Billy anyway, Shatters. Anyways, I want to thank... Uh, uh, Awesome guest hosts. So, so good. Not stars. Let's Not stars. Let's get that fucking straight right here. Guest hosts. hosts. Folks. Hosts. Guest I hosts. quit. Yeah. That's too late. Oh, you're already, you're already, you're already <laughs> done. But no, really. Uh, that means we don't pay you. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> you I mean, you get paid? We yeah. can't pay you. Donker's good. You get double. Yeah. Double. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, realistically, though, seriously, guys, thank you for uh, for coming on. So good. This is. I think this is my favorite episode. Wow, that's bold. So. Do you say that so. over all the episodes? That's what I was about to Dude. say. Dude, definitely not. Definitely, definitely not. Where do I say that every episode? He does not say that every episode. I definitely episode. don't. He says been, it one and I've two. Been, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, not the next one, but the next one I'll say yeah. again. But. Sweet, top half. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Is this the longest episode? Uh, I don't know. It might, might be up there. Here could be. We could yeah. have a new record. So. All right. Um, cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and thanks and, again. Uh, this is great. Thank you. Cool. Bye-bye. Bye. Peace.
of 